and welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. My name is Tim Tompkins. Joining us today, Mr. Dave King. Hello. And of course, Greg Esposito. Oh, so uh, Dave, how is now that the Suns are no longer matching the matching portion of a bright side night is over and done with? Uh, how did that turn out for you? It turned out better for me than it did for the Suns in Mexico City. Uh, <laughs> we we have already, after only 10 days of donations, uh, including now last year, we got Suns matching for over a thousand of our tickets of the 3,300. This year, we've had sun, Suns matching from the start. Um, and we are over 3,300 total tickets between donations and matching already after only 10, game, 10 days. So when the Suns play the Kings on January 7th, uh, we'll have probably over 4,000 um, tickets being handed out for that game on behalf of us uh, from Brightside. And those kids hopefully will um, cheer like crazy for a Suns win in, uh, against the Kings in early January. I'm very excited. I'm very humbled by how quickly everybody acted this year. Thank you very much for your big donations. Uh, we had some big donors, we had some small donors. We're gonna continue to have donors for another two weeks. I'm very excited about this. Thank you. So talk to me, so you're talking 4,000 kids, right? Uh, that's my. <laughs> that's what I'm shooting for now. And I think we may even get a lot bigger than that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with 4,000. What is the organization of that come night of even look like? Well, luckily, I've got a really good partnership with the Suns uh, Group Sales and, and Charities area where they, they deal with this all the time. They, they bring in groups all the time. A lot of times it's um, groups of tickets bought by an organization and for, their, for the people in their organization. And other times it's donated tickets where they um, will do some kind of community outreach and donate tickets themselves without matching you know, donations from someone else. We are the only ones actually who do the uh, ticket drives this way where we collect um, you know most of the money and then the sun's match some or all of it uh, so in and uh, how does it come together it's a pretty big deal um, we have already reserved all the pre-game mid-game post-game stuff that the suns do to, to you know to attract people and, and give um, interactive fan experiences uh, so we're going to let these kids come in early, um, right after five o'clock, right after the doors open and come down to the lower level and watch the Suns players warm up for about an hour, hour and a half or so until they go get their seats. We're going to put T-shirts, Brightside Night T-shirts on uh, a big bunch of their chairs when they're uh, where their seats are and <clears throat> give those out. Um, we yeah, the, the overall organization of getting all those kids in. The packs of tickets are going to be at a at a booth right inside the main entrance. Um, so they'll they'll come and they'll grab their tickets as they show up. They'll they'll know which sections they're in and stuff like that beforehand. Uh, but they'll show up the night of. They'll collect their tickets. They'll go grab their seats. Um, it's it's just a really fun time. And uh, you know, certain groups of kids will be invited to do uh, some of the different interactive things throughout the night. So people can still can still donate, can still nine dollars, get a kid to take it, they go to uh, what suns.com slash brightside. Right. And who knows, we may actually get another um, uh, another source of matching the ticket donations, but definitely your nine dollars gets a kid in. 
And that's that's always been the case and will will continue to be the case. So we can we can sell as many tickets as we want. And if they run out of seats for this the January 7th game because we sold so many, we'll give them we'll get them in the next game or the game after that. It's going to be it's really, really worth it. The, you're changing kids lives. See, this is all about changing kids lives. I was talking to a friend of mine just the other day who was saying that uh, what really, really got his daughter into sports at 10 years old, 12 years old, forget what age she was, but when she went to an NFL game, literally being in the stadium. And this is just a different example of, of a kid going to a live game and then suddenly becoming a sports fan. Now she watches the Suns constantly. Now she watches the Cardinals constantly. She watches that team because they were on the road. Um, uh, they were in Tennessee, so they watched the Titans. So she watches that, watches that team. Now she's suddenly a big sports fan. She's playing sports. She's getting involved. And she hadn't really done that before, uh, going to an, uh, a live pro game. That's what these kids are experiencing. And the same thing happened to me. I became much more of a sports fan after going to a game. And we need to build that next generation of sports fans. And that's this is contributing to that. Certainly, especially after losing a, 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 an entire decade of fans just because of not being one of the better teams in town. This is one well, of these me... things that helps, helps, you know, build these kids' enjoyment because sometimes parents aren't going to take their kids if a, if a team's losing. We have a very, uh, we have a very right. fair weather Without group, and this fair. gets kids in to experience yep. what it's like to watch uh, watch a Suns game. And regardless of uh, of how a team's playing or not, to Dave's point, when you go in person, it changes. Uh, it changes things. It's it's a very cool experience, especially because these kids get even get to get really close. Uh, in warm-ups and see these guys uh, up front and and see what it's like uh, to be that close. They really are. Yeah, like it, it. There's a there's a sense of awe when uh, when you get to uh, go down there, and I think I think it's something even. And Dave, you can attest to this. You do it more often than me now. But even uh, as adults, when you, even people that get to do it as often as people in the media, there's still that sense of. Wow, this is pretty cool when you when you step right near that court during warm-ups and and you look around and you go this is uh, this is different. This is not something that uh, that everybody experiences on a regular basis and and just think about it from uh, from a kid's perspective getting to do it, it it has a big impact. So Dave, congratulations on the effort so far. Uh, I hope that we uh, surpass that 4,000 that you, that you're even projecting at now. Uh, it's great stuff that you do. So I hope you're, uh, I hope you take great pride in it. I know that's not why you do it, but I, I hope it is something that you, uh, uh, that you feel very good about. Uh, I, I know I give you a lot of hard time on this show, but this is one of those things that I never would because it, it's amazing what you and Brightside do here. Well, thank you very much. And let me address the the winning team part thing, because I get arguments about that all the time. And you didn't say this uh, just now, Greg, so I'm not saying you did. But a lot of guys would be like, oh, I don't want to send the kids to watch a crappy team. These last 10 years, it wasn't worth blah, blah, blah. Kids watching uh, basketball, they don't care who won or lost. In fact, most of the most people I've talked to about their very first um, pro experience, they don't they don't remember the score. They don't remember who won or lost. They just remember people running around doing some incredible stuff that they've never seen before. That's what the kids are experiencing. They're experiencing that hot dog. They're experiencing that Coke. They're experiencing sitting in the seat amongst 20,000 other people. 
They're, they're uh, like you said, down near the court uh, for the warmups. They're experiencing seeing people bigger than they've ever seen before. I mean, uh, my youngest, uh, when one of her first games she ever went to, she got to stand near uh, Shaq. And she's like, oh, my God, that guy is huge. And then even one year just standing next to Hamed Haddadi. <laughs> and she was in awe of how big these guys are. Um, so kids don't care who wins or loses. So it's really worth it to go. And, and I don't like it when people say it's not worth donating tickets because the sun suck, you know, in prior years. It was worth it. And these kids, it's changed their lives and it's changed their outlook on sports. And I'm really proud of that. Um, I, I do have a huge sense of pride from doing this, but it's the pride of creating experiences for people that wouldn't otherwise ever get that chance. So uh, the Suns, <laughs> uh, you guys want, yeah, you want to talk about this? Uh, uh, the Suns losing to the refs uh, last night in Mexico City. So speaking all, of a group that, was, that gets no charity, it's. The uh, I mean, oh my God. Just, just I let me tell you, I thought I was watching an old timey Sun Spurs game where the Spurs did every little tiny thing right. The refs did every little tiny thing to help the Spurs and the Suns just made boneheaded play after boneheaded play and then followed up with an incredible play to pull themselves back in it or up and then make another boneheaded play. I mean, that last eight seconds alone. The Suns made the, some of the dumbest things. Dumb, okay. Dumb mistakes. Okay. Hold on now. Um, Rubio was clearly grabbed uh, on that inbound where yes. it wasn't called. The ball clearly went off of DeRozan's leg. It, di it uh, didn't. After... There's another angle. It went, yeah. Yeah, it well, went right, off here, Bridges' Here's head. the thing. That, that other angle doesn't show uh, the ball going that far. So, yes, when you only watch the one angle that doesn't show DeRozan's leg, it didn't go off his leg. But when you watch the full angle, it clearly does. The ball it, changes direction after it hits his leg. It hit It hit the top of Bridges' head. Uh, if yes, you watch, it does. It does hit the, the top of Bridges' head. What the hell was Bridges doing laying on the floor? But this isn't the point. I, I, I am, this question. This is what makes – this is – look, Mikel had a great – he got 10 rebounds in that game. He, he really tried his butt off, and we've heard before – where Mikel doesn't love banging in there in down in there amongst those trees because he's not the thickest dude in the world. Um, and he was, he was fighting hard all night long. And the reason the Suns couldn't get rebounds sometimes is because LaMarcus Aldridge would just move people out of the way. Uh, and, and Mikel would be one of those little pinballs. He'd, 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 he'd just bounce off of, but what was Mikel doing literally half a second after the ball hit the rim on that missed free throw? Mikel is, prone on the ground you don't lose your balance like that his head never should have been there for the ball to even come close to bouncing off of well yeah, it, yeah it, the whole Fine. thing it was, was still, it was still a messed up call though and the, the whole like spreading the the only angle that's now going around twitter is the one that that cuts off demar Derozan, and that part infuriates me too there there is a second Look, angle that shows it straight on you can see Derozan's leg and you can see it actually hit Mikhail Bridges' head and change directions, not DeRozan's knee. That that's not that, the the Rubio non-call is a bigger factor. And Dave's right; the Suns made a lot of a lot of mistakes that cost them as much as the refs did. It was just it was the case of Greg Popovich's teams are always very disciplined, and this Suns team still learning how to be that. And that was the difference in this one. The refs just didn't do them any do the Suns any favors in it. 
I'm not okay, going to so- blame the refs that that it's all their fault. The Suns did plenty to to put themselves in that position. The the so. big eight point swing, um, <laughs> where uh, where Patty Mills made consecutive threes on possessions. That was that was those were bookends on the refs missing a, an out of bounds off of Lamarcus Aldridge that uh, they didn't even take the time to review. And you could even see it on Aldridge's face that he knew he was faking, you know, his, his reaction pointing the other direction um, when the ball had clearly gone off of him. And then the Suns argued so badly they got themselves two technicals, including Devin Booker arguing in his street clothes on the sidelines, but he walked out onto the court. Come on, if there's any franchise in the freaking league who knows don't step on the dang court, it should Against be the Suns. the Spurs. Uh, so Greg Popovich after the game, uh, said three words, uh, to somebody in the media and those three words were Phoenix got robbed. And then he walked out of the room. Oh, no, I don't think that was like, that was yesterday. I think, I think Fox sports Arizona thought it was yesterday, but I don't think it was. I got to verify that. Um, but I mean, later was saying that was him after a a game a couple of years ago. (laughs) I got to look it up though. (laughs) Look. Uh, the Suns, Sorry, I don't think that was like yesterday. I, I just I don't feel like I, they they robbed themselves as much as the refs robbed them, and I I love blaming the refs as much as anybody else. But there were there were little things that they did uh, that they did wrong too. Like it, this is a team. Oh that- no, sorry, sorry, Tim, I am wrong. I just looked it up. Somebody else had said it was a different day. He said more than three words, but he did finish with Phoenix got robbed. Absolutely. Yep. You're, you're and then walked out of the room. 100% right. <clears throat> I know because it was a bad call. He knows it was a bad call. Everyone knows it was a bad call. Like they, and that, the thing is, I, I will never give the refs a hard time about a, uh, a bad call that isn't reviewed because they're humans and they make mistakes and there's a lot of things going on. But when you review something and you still make the wrong call, yeah, that's that's when I get angry about it. Well, yeah, I, th- th- that's certainly a frustrating case. And I almost feel like when you go to that review, it should be somebody in the league office making that call, not the group that that's sitting there that made the wrong call to begin with, because sometimes self-preservation comes in uh, and you don't want to necessarily admit that you were wrong. So you're biased towards the original decision you made. Like we all fall prey to that. So I, I feel like it should probably be taken out of their hands at that point. So uh, you remove that factor uh, of it for sure. But, uh, man, uh, this team is still ha- it has an immense amount of heart to continue uh, to battle in these games and in most cases battle back even w- when they fall behind. But they've got to learn how to close out and they just have not learned that that is, that's been a big part uh, of a lot of these games this year, especially the close ones. Uh, they just, uh, they can't close out uh, in the end real well. And that's, that's the next evolution this team needs to take. If this is truly like everybody uh, wants to, wants to think this is a 40 plus one team and a playoff team, They've got to figure out how to win a game like that. Even if the refs are making bad calls, they've got to figure out ways to not foul on uh, on a drive to to tie the game at the end, to play better defense uh, on the final shot, to uh, all these little things that it takes to be a winning team. And they just they have not uh, they have not closed out well uh, yet. No. And and granted, 
on Saturday they were playing without DeAndre Ayton and they were playing without Devin Booker, but the Spurs aren't a very good team either. Uh, they, like that's just the reality of where the Spurs are this year. So they should have been able to close out with, uh, against that group, and they just did not do the little things that, that it <coughs> takes to win in the NBA when it's a close game. There's been some people saying that the Suns need to trade for a new backup point guard instead of try to groom one of the ones they have or oh. keep expecting things from Tyler Johnson. And one of the names being thrown out there lately has been Patty Mills. A, the Spurs are not going to trade Patty Mills. They're not going to give up on the season. Uh, but but B, holy crap, did Patty Mills actually prove what a much better backup he would be than Tyler Johnson. Patty Mills took 14 three-pointers. He made, he scored 26 points in the game. Uh, he wasn't very efficient. He had 23 total shots, 26 points. But he was relentless on, on helping the Spurs win that game. And how did Tyler Johnson do? I think he was over. Well, the— the difference with the Patty Mills, too, is you saw it at, uh, at the end of both regulation and, and overtime. This is a guy that just gets things done, you know. that That's that that's what he manages to do, even in, in crunch time. Uh, he, he just has that ability to close out, so. So I want to get a couple of uh, CTAs out of the way. First off, I want to thank a listener for being a supporter of the show, uh, Benny Campion. Campion, excuse me. Um, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. If you feel like you get a lot out of uh, the Solar Panel podcast or the YouTube version of this and you want to become a monthly supporter, uh, hit the support the show button. There is a $1, a 5 or a $10 option. If you do the $10, $10 option, I will personally send you some sun swag. We uh, really do appreciate your support there. Um, if you want to support the show and you're watching on YouTube right now, biggest thing you can do is hit that thumbs up button. It really does help with the YouTube algorithms. Benny, um, thank should you. we call them should we call them podcastic supporters? Instead yeah, of podcastic supporters and yeah, no. Nobody jumped at that one. I'm gonna <laughs> do it anyway. Uh so let's talk about where the Suns are right now. Um, the Suns now sit uh, with a record of 11 and 14 as of the time of recording this uh, podcast slash YouTube show, which is on uh, Sunday, December 15th. They're three and seven over their last 10. However, over their last seven, I think that they're three and four. The Suns now sit in the eighth spot tied with the Kings and OKC with the Wolves, Blazers, uh, and Spurs all within a couple of games. Essentially, you have five teams right now that are all tied, uh, that are all trying for those final two uh, playoff spots, seventh and eighth seed. I want to talk about some of the records of how some of those other teams um, have been performing over the last ten games because I do think that this is interesting. The Kings over their last ten are four and six. Like I said, the Suns are three and seven. The Thunder are six and four. The Wolves are two and eight. They're losing every damn game that they can right now. Uh, and the Spurs are five and five and the Trailblazers are also five and five. So the Spurs have had four straight overtime games and they're three and one in those overtimes. I actually don't um, I actually don't think the Spurs little little mini run is sustainable as it is. They may continue getting better because they have good veterans on that team. Um, but this little run is a little bit of of uh, it's going to come back down to earth for him unless they start playing better as a team. And the Suns should have beat him on Saturday. Look, the the Blazers are the team that I think we all know uh, 
I think we all know are going to make <clears throat> make a run here. They've got too much uh, star power on that roster to to not actually be better than they're playing right now. Uh, but of the rest of those teams, uh, I don't see one that stands out as being significantly better than the Suns, especially when uh, you get Aiton back in this fold. Uh, I don't think that there's anybody that's going to run away with that spot to the point where the Suns can't keep up, but they need to find their rhythm again. They need to find what made them uh, a, a darling in the first 10 games of this season, and it was uh, just that willingness to pester people on defense and uh, and really get people uh, annoyed with them. And Aaron Baines needs to, uh, to re-tap into to what he had there and I think he will as he shifts back to that backup role once Aiton gets back because uh, it's less minutes but he can expend more energy in that time I think we'll we'll see some of that uh, but they they just need to find a rhythm I, I still believe in this group I, I think that this stretch reminds them that they can't overlook anybody that it's going to take an immense amount of effort to win but a, a game like Saturday night reminds you this isn't uh the same team we've we've seen because in the past if or last season even if Aiton and Booker are out last season they lose by 40 like there's just there's no doubt about it you know yeah you know the team is really um really interesting to me just because uh, what do you expect is is the Oklahoma City Thunder how the heck are they already there at 11 and 14? They're being competitive, and yet every single player on that team is expecting to be traded in the next two months. But they're somehow putting that aside and just winning games anyway. Um, they're, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to end up making trades. They're going to send Chris Paul somewhere. They're going to send Steven Adams somewhere. They're going to basically rebuild because they have 5,000 draft picks coming in the next few years, and they want to develop Shea Gilgis-Alexander. It's, they're just so fascinating to watch. But, um, yeah, you'd have to – you kind of have to rule them out. At least I do. Um, the Timberwolves, I rule out, as Greg said. The Spurs, I just don't see it. I just don't see it with the Spurs. Um, they may find that magic juice that um, – and it could be, you know, the refs that are the magic juice for them. Um, but I just don't see it with – the Blazers, they're relying on Mellow. And is really Mello the answer to making a playoff run anymore in his career? I'm not really sure. Not so, long term, but I mean, there's still uh, you still got McCollum, you still got Lillard. It, of of the group, that one has the, the star power you'd expect to be able to lift you out of uh, out of a slump. Mello's Mello's a nice uh, a nice boost there, but that that's the one I look at. I, I think Oklahoma City, it just comes down to there's not much else to do in Oklahoma City, so you might as well at least try to be good at basketball if you're stuck there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're right. That's going to be a roster that looks drastically different over the next two months and not one that uh, that's trying to win necessarily. So I think, I, I think it's going to probably come down to the Suns and Kings looking at it. I, I, think, I, I think that's probably where we're going to land out here. At the end, and I feel pretty good about the Suns' chances being better than the Kings. That is uh, that is wild. Um, so the Suns do have a really hard schedule coming up. 
Uh, part of this hard schedule, though, is worth noting an, a, a, an addition that is very much going to be welcomed at this point in the season. Uh, so they have the Blazers, and some of these games are, are they need to win these games too. Um, so they have the, the Blazers on Monday. Uh, you have Aiton coming back on Tuesday versus the Clippers. You have the Thunder on Friday. Then you have the Rockets, the Nuggets, and the Warriors. The Suns desperately uh, need to win at least two or three of those games. Uh, but especially they, they need to they need to get that W against the Blazers, and they need to get that W against uh, the Thunder. But we do have Aiton coming back versus the Clippers on Tuesday. Uh, <clears throat> What kind of impact is this realistically should we expect for it to make for this team? Well, I don't think you should expect much in, in game one. I hope you see uh, an immense amount of energy and a purpose from DeAndre Ayton, but he's going to be rusty. I mean, anybody that sits out 25 games, whether he was practicing or not, is going to wind up being rusty. So uh, I don't I don't expect him to look like a, an all-NBA player in game one. I, I expect him to be... Uh, efficient, but I think it's going to take a few games for him to find that rhythm. But what we need to see is a guy playing with purpose, a guy playing with a chip on his shoulder because he's embarrassed and he's upset. And and that's what the Suns need. They need an engaged DeAndre Ayton. They need him to prove that he has evolved past what he was last year, which was very good. And we don't deny that on this show. We're not one of the groups that's like, oh, DeAndre Ayton sucks. You know? No, he's a very, uh, a very skilled big man, but he needs to take that next step. And that, I, I want to see that, that energy, that passion night in, night out. It needs to be consistent, which is what was, uh, what was lacking in year one with him. So hopefully this, this entire saga has changed that mindset for him. That's the only positive that could come out of this is that he comes out uh, more focused and playing harder than we've seen from him. Now, my biggest question is, does Monty actually want him to stretch out that jumper and take threes? Not not an aggressive amount, not a huge amount, but is he going to take uh, three-pointers at all as he comes back? That'll be an interesting question for me. I expect his impact in a week or so after he comes back to be very significant because it's going to change what they can do offensively. Ricky Rubio now has a partner that he can lob to uh, in this group. It makes the bench that much significantly stronger, right? Because you've got Aaron Baines that shifts back to backup center and puts Frank Kaminsky back at his natural backup power forward position. So all of a sudden... Uh, this bench is stronger than we've seen as well, and we get to understand what that full vision that uh, James Jones had for this roster when he put it together was. Now, how Monty Williams uh, handles rotations will be interesting to watch too because this will obviously change minutes and and how you're going to have to handle it uh, with this group, but it means that basically your biggest question now becomes who is your backup uh, point guard. It's not. It's not. How do you make the center position work? It's not. Uh, how does Frank Kaminsky do out of position? It simply becomes okay. Everybody else slots in where we expected them to be. Now, how how does backup point guard come? But Aiton should have a fairly significant impact. Even yeah, he don't have a big. Go ahead, Tim. I I was just going to say that that even a a um, 
Aiton that is not quite uh, at 100% uh, ready or polished at this point would still be a welcome addition. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, we actually got the first game that I can remember where Fred Kaminsky and Dario Sarge both had good games at the same time. Usually they um, they trade off who's going to have a good game, and one of them is just awful. And Saturday, uh, another reason I'm really disappointed the Suns lost is both those guys really played well. Dario Sarge had, a, had 17 rebounds and 19 points, and Frank had over 20. Um, it was a really, really good, really good game for both of those guys. But having said that, Aiden will make things better. Aiden will provide a lot more size in the middle. He can get those rebounds. See, that what the, where the Suns are still struggling is actually reaching up higher than anybody else to get rebounds. Uh, and if they don't box out guys, now I Sarge and Frank have done a pretty good job of boxing out so that the Suns aren't getting killed. They were only out rebounded by three on Saturday against the Spurs, and so. That's going to, you know, that the, the Suns will be a better rebounding team with Aiden. They'll be a better, more efficient team on getting scores down near the basket when they need to have some quick scores so they don't have to have perfect ball movement every time or Booker going off or somebody making a bunch of threes. They can, they can score the, at, at, you know, in, in different ways when Aiden gets back. Will the Suns be any better? Well, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, have, uh, they'll have a better chance to have a 7 to 10-point lead going into the last few minutes. But I don't, you can't count on Aiden being the guy who's going to not make those boneheaded plays on like the Suns did on Saturday. Ricky Rubio made some boneheaded plays. So, and Aaron Baines even made a couple of, thing, um, couple of plays that could have been better. And it's expecting Aiden to suddenly make the Suns uh, win these close games is tough. But expecting Aiden to help get the Suns in better winning positions so the games aren't as close at the end, absolutely. He's always been a winning type player in terms of doing all the stuff during a game to help you get um, closer in the score or take that lead. Uh, he's just still the two youngest guy on the. Let's remember, he's still the very by, by far the youngest guy on the team. He just turned 21 this past summer, uh, whereas the rest of the team is 22, 23, 24, 25. There's a couple of guys over 25, and that's it. Um, it's really disappointing that Tyler Johnson can't be another vet that settles this team down this year. So right now all they have is Ricky Rubio and Aaron Baines being the settlers basically and calming guys down and making smart plays. It's, uh, we cannot expect the Suns to get smarter with Aiden, uh, just because he's 21 years old, but we can expect them to be better and get, um, it be in better position to win on a nightly basis going into that fourth quarter. Yeah, look, what you expect is you don't expect him to change how <laughs> mentally they played. You're right. But what you hope in a game like Saturday's against the Spurs is you're not in a position where it's that close at the end, where those, those mistakes become as catastrophic as they are because Aiton should be able to help you put distance between you and and teams that are significantly inferior and and at full strength i think the spurs are significantly inferior to the sun's roster uh the fact was they just weren't at full strength so that's what you hope deandre ayton does to your point is is gives you a larger cushion so you have a larger margin for error going into those final few minutes uh he's definitely not going to make you smarter in those in those final minute or two uh uh, any and guy that can... to expect him to, I know no, people yeah. are going to say, yeah, he's a dumb player, but no, no, he's a kid. 
He's mm-hmm. not going to be the one <clears throat> who makes those game-changing um, smart plays. He might make some game-changing athletic plays, but they won't be they won't be the veteran wily smart plays. That's yeah, all. You're you're 100 percent right. It's it, it, he's still a kid, and that's acceptable. There's a lot he has left to learn, but hopefully that that athletic impact earlier in the game gives you that that better margin for error. Can I just well, talk for a second about the schedule not being anyone's um, anyone's friend right now? So, Tim, you talked about the upcoming games. They have Monday at home against Portland. That's after flying six hours, six hours each way, probably, um, or minimum four, even if it was a straight through, to uh, to Mexico City and back over the last three days. Getting constantly hounded by media all weekend, almost like an all-star weekend kind of event where there is no downtime for these players all weekend. And then coming back and playing at home Monday night against the Trailblazers, and then immediately the next night being in LA to play the Clippers on the road. And you know how many have, has the, have the Suns played the Clippers not on a back to back in the last fifty years? It I, feels like every single Clippers game is on the on the back end of a back to back. You didn't even bring up the worst part of this, right? The Suns have been in Mexico City dealing with all that, the flight, everything. I'm pretty sure the Blazers have been here since uh, since Friday. Yeah, the Blazers they, have not played since Thursday night. Yeah, they and, and they were they showed video from the Suns practice facility yesterday that they were they were here chilling in Phoenix practicing, and the Suns are schlepping their uh, their butts back and forth from Mexico City. So that doesn't exactly seem like the most fair way to schedule something. Right. You, th- you think after the Suns do the league a solid and, and go to Mexico City to do this, sacrifice a home game to go down there the schedule makers wouldn't screw them over by having them play a team that's been sitting in their home city for for days and hasn't had to play since thursday you well you, you know what you know you know what would help with this is uh what uh bill simmons has been calling for for a while which is getting a 72 game schedule i mean honestly 82 games are just too many there's always going to be unfair points and i agree that this was not great by the schedule makers but every single team is just going to have a crap like this happen and if they could just no, get it only into sense, it, Tim. everyone else has no, look, easy. look i get it i get it that it happens but the suns literally did the league a solid by going down there right uh, that this was this is all about expanding the game the home game too yeah they, yes. this is all about this is all about expanding the game i understand that you're you're just going to get screwed sometimes in the schedule but that does not seem like the time that the league should give a big uh, f you to a team uh in terms of that you you would think uh, you know i get it randomly but that's the one case that you would think they'd go you know what we're going to ensure that, that that this isn't a potential schedule loss on monday because of uh because of the factors that the other team you know you're right you're, they should they should bring out somebody uh from the east you know uh actually the east has been pretty damn good this year i, I just want to make one final point before we move on to talking about uh tra- potential trades now that trade season uh has officially started is that with eight and back in the lineup the suns are going to have uh somebody that ricky rubio can actually pass the ball to roll to the basket which aaron baines i love him as a player he's not a very good role man i think that'll be amazing also just getting deandre ayton uh to have the ability to get some uh, putbacks, which is something that the Suns do not really have. Almost, we see like mm-hmm. one a game. Um, you know, you can count on two or three from DeAndre Ayton over the course of a game. Uh, that's between four and six points, which is the margin. And a lot of these games come the end of it anyway. 
Well, and that the the cutting in the basket, the lobs, that's going to wind up opening up things for some of these shooters. Just the threat of that after uh, after he gets back in the rhythm and his passing. I think people underrate that, but he's pretty damn good at uh, even if he cuts, gets the ball. He's very good at kicking it back out to to find the open man. So this should make their shooting better uh, as well, or at least the looks that they're getting. I won't say it helps anybody else make them, but it should give them better looks. So all these little things should add up to a big impact uh, moving forward. Yeah, Uh, he's got to get more integrated with the team now. Um, yeah, having said he won't be, you know, he, he's got to reacclimate himself after being out for so long. I mean, he had a pretty darn good opening night and the first game of the preseason as well after having, you know, the, these, are, these are each new experiences this year. He'll be good on his first night. What I want to see from him is consistency and consistent effort game to game. He always puts out effort, but I mean, I mean, higher end effort than he's given in, in, in the past. I mean, he can, he can roll out 16 and 10 on a night with a block. Um, I'd like to, and I don't necessarily want to look at counting stats to be a deciding factor for him. I just think consistent effort is, is important and should be expected. So trade season uh, has officially started. Uh, players that were signed over the summer can now be traded. Pretty exciting. We spent a, a lot of time, uh, talking about the Suns' need for a power forward. I do think that that might change given the fact that we're going to have Aiton back, which means that to a point that Greg brought up earlier, we're going to have uh, Kaminsky as the backup uh, power forward. I also think there's some opportunity for uh, Monty Williams to play Aiton, uh, dare I say, at power forward next to uh, Aaron Bain. So to me, that position isn't quite as important. Uh, I do want to jump ahead to my stat of the week really quickly because I want you guys to take this into account for discussing what the Suns need the most. Um, so my stat of the week, the Suns, own, oh, in the course of December, the only two negative net rating five-man lineups that they had in December uh, that played any amount of, of uh, meaningful minutes anyway, that wasn't garbage time, um, both included Ty Jerome at point guard, and this is regardless of Devin Booker being on the court with him at the end of those quarters to close out the games. Uh, when Ty Jerome is the point guard for the Suns, their offensive rating drops to 89. They have an effective field goal percentage of 39%, a true shooting percentage of 41%, and the pace drops to 105 down from 112. So not only is he a slow player when he's running the point, when he's running the point, the Suns just aren't getting good shots, right? Individually, Ty Jerome, his offensive rating is a 76, which is awful. That being said, it, it, the Suns have a lot of backup point guards on the roster right now, none of which are playing very well. Uh, but there is also, I think, an argument for perhaps the Suns going after a solid backup two when Devin Booker isn't on the court. And we've also spent a lot of time talking about the power forward position. Now that we're heading into trade season, what is the biggest need for this team right now? I still think it's a true backup point guard. Because Tyler Johnson isn't really a backup point guard. Elliot Kobo really isn't a backup point guard. And Ty Jerome is a rookie who's coming off a serious injury that kept him out 
uh, for the first five weeks of, of his rookie year. So you can't expect him to automatically uh, step in and be exactly what you need. I think long term, he's got the passing ability to provide you with what you need. But I, I think you need to find a solid veteran backup point guard if uh, if playoffs is what you're shooting for this year if that is if that is the goal if that's the the serious uh, uh, push that you want to make I think that is the most glaring hole you can you can survive with Frank Kaminsky playing hot and cold right I, I mean you can you can survive there with him as your backup uh, power forward now your backup center position is set you can deal with uh, uh with devin booker's backup being sometimes a mikhail bridges playing out of position or one of these small forwards playing minutes there uh, like but backup uh backup point guard it grinds your offense to a halt when you have a, a guy like uh, tyler johnson out there or even elliot kobo who's offensive aggressiveness has been better from his own standpoint but he's not getting his teammates involved and that's what you need so i think backup point guard is is the the biggest need that isn't going to cost you a lot long term it's finding that uh, that that long-term answer at starting power forward but short term if you're looking at what can you fix at a cost that's probably more palatable it's backup point guard yeah i i like the i love the idea of a patty mills of course after watching him score 60 or 26 felt like 62 points but uh, <laughs> 26 points uh on on saturday and making all the big shots man that guy uh he is he is a fire plug that's for sure he'd be fun to have on the team uh someone like a jj reddick to run around screens and and make more even more shots but i really think the the player needs to be a have a defensive skill set to him um and so because really that's where the suns are struggling i mean they're still sixth in the league in offense they're doing fine on offense especially with Aiton coming back they're going to be even more than fine on offense where you've got to have some better skill is on defense and and the suns whoever they acquire can't just be simply an offensive player they got plenty of those so i would rule out a jj reddick for that reason but uh, there's got to be somebody out there they can acquire that that for a, a wing, you know, guard position, someone who can back up Rubio and also play, um, you know, next to both Booker and Rubio, has some size, can shoot, and can can at least put out, you know, maximum effort on defense. That would be really fun to see. Uh, Ty Jerome, as, as you pointed out, Tim, he's just been god-awful, and he's just not ready. The, the NBA is too fast for him right now doesn't mean he's not going to turn into a really good NBA player. It just means that in this moment, he has not been very good. He's been, uh, he's been, he's been bad. Real bad. Yeah. Real but, bad. And, but, and, but, but, but to Monty Williams credit, after giving him six games to try to adjust and not seeing that he did, he went, he Jadrome did not play a minute on Saturday. And it was Elliot Kobo as the backup. Akobo did not have a great game. Uh, so unfortunately for Akobo, he didn't set the world on fire. And Tyler Johnson got minutes without um without Devin Booker in the lineup. Mikel Bridges started and that was good. I really thought that was a good plan to start Mikel Bridges so you have more defense out there uh throughout the game. But um Tyler Johnson got some run and it was bad. And so those guys had a chance to step up and say, this is my position. Neither of them did it. Uh Monty might give them seems like he gives three or four 
uh, game runs to guys. So we might see the Akobo Tyler Johnson combo for another week or so and see how that goes. Um, I don't know what happened to Tyler Johnson. He's, he's just not very effective right now in this, in this offense and hasn't been this year. So what's, what's your prediction then regarding the trade, the trade season? Trade season. I I think it's going to be a, um, a perimeter player guard sized who can back up Rubio in spots kind of like in, and not, not necessarily different than Tyler Johnson where he's not really an assist guy, but he can run a team and not make boneheaded mistakes. So that's, I think they'll probably end up doing that. That's my prediction. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You just, you need a guy that can keep the offense calm, can not turn over the ball, can, can keep guys involved and just keep a consistency when Rubio is off the floor. What, what intrigues me and I'm going to play pie in the sky, you know, let's let's go hey what what's the ideal situation if minnesota keeps losing like this at what point does carl anthony towns just pull the i'm done with this right i mean you're sitting up there it's winter in minnesota you literally have to walk through glass uh, walkways to get anywhere in the city because it's too cold to actually be outside and you're losing like this at what point does he just go i'm done with this crap and if you're the suns that's when you go, all right, now it's time to consider uh, acquiring one of Devin Booker's friends because that's the guy that, that of the group that you would really want, right? Like, oh, that, absolutely. That's pie in the sky. If, if, if everything were to work out, that guy becomes available, that's the most intriguing thing to me this trade season. I don't think it happens before the trade deadline. I have a feeling if it's going to happen, it's probably the off season when he pushes for something like that. But man, that's sitting there knowing they're two and eight in their last 10. Just and you, you look at it and you go, I really hope that happens. Yeah. You know, that's why I, that's why I become even more hesitant on the Kevin love thing as I think more about it is okay. Sure, you could you could put some assets into that and get a guy that could potentially be an answer uh, at power forward for for short term. But if you make that move and then Carl Anthony Towns becomes available, even if it's four or five months later, how pissed off are you at that point? Like that's that that's the guy that you've been waiting for to push all your chips in. Absolutely, I think if you if you had a chance to acquire Carl Anthony Towns, I think you do whatever it takes. I really do. I think he is who we want Aiden to be. What and if what if what if they required Devin Booker in return? Oh, no. okay. Sorry. No, no. not Booker. Sorry. Then then you tell him to take a long walk off a short yeah. pier and you hope that Aiden becomes that guy. That's like, just swapping one uh who needs a second for another who needs a second guy. <laughs> so no, How pissed would both of them be too? Oh my gosh, I'm going to Phoenix. Wait, Devin's going going back to Minnesota? Like that yeah. would yeah, like, yeah. I would do, I, I would do and uh, some people can remember this and call me on it later, but I would definitely obviously do Aiden because, you know, you know, that is the swap that Minnesota would be interested in. And I would include Mikhail Bridges in that because Carl Anthony Towns has has that star power and has reached that that where you want Aiden to be. And the two of them with Booker and Towns with a Rubio and a Sharich and, and guys like that around them to to be smart players, I think that can really push you right into solidifying perennial playoff contention yeah and and look i'm a true believer in at some point you are going to have to make a major move because this is 
no matter that Devin Booker is is getting better and getting more clout with with players around the league, at some point you're going to have to acquire somebody via trade to bring them bring them in here because the the chances that you're going to land the big fish in free agency, you're gambling there, right? The only thing you can truly control is is trading for a guy and I think at some point that's a that's a move the Suns are going to have to do the question is how long do you wait and what guy are you do you wait for so you know Serene, 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 so December and- December 15th just hit and that's why Tim's bringing this up because now everybody from almost everybody from the summer um can't who changed teams can be traded which which was at least a third of the league if not half the league um there has not been a trade in the NBA since july and this is the first time the nba has gone this many days in an eligible trade period without having a trade be recorded uh, this is the first time ever so the, there will be trades we just haven't seen them yet and uh, i'm just curious to see how different this league is going to look in a month or two months so would i uh would either of you be willing to bet a mortgage payment or in your case a rent payment dave uh, on the Suns making a trade before the deadline. Yes, I will bet Dave's a rent payment on, on that. <laughs> no, I think I think they will make a move. I don't know that it's going to be a big move, but I, I think they will make a move. I won't make any bets. I, I there's there's quite a there's quite a chance that they won't know enough. Jane Jones already said he wants to wait a month once Aiden's back. If Booker's out for a significant amount of that time. He's going to want to wait even longer. I, I I don't I don't think you might see a little tinkering around the edges, but yeah. that, that'll have to be a great tinker opportunity that doesn't really hurt the team in any possible way. I, I, um, it won't be a. I'm not going to bet anything on a big trade. There might be a small trade. I don't think Aiton and and that whole comment that James Jones made impacts trying to find a backup point guard. I think that was more in reference of we're not going to make some some move to acquire some big name power forward or or something like that till we understand what we have with Aiton and that group yeah. once we understand that rotation. I think it has very little impact if you're looking at backup point guards. I I would be surprised if they have an expiring 19 million dollar contract uh that they just let expire. And a guy that's not that's clearly not contributing to any sort of wins for the team. I mean, it's not like I, I I would just I would I would be pretty surprised. The position they're in is they can't actually use that 19 if they let it expire because they're over the cap for other reasons next summer. So right, um, there is a little bit of incentive to try to do something about it. Um, but having uh, having said that, they'd probably just have to acquire another 19 million dollar contract or something like that. Like a, a Jeff Teague, people are throwing out Jeff Teague's name. That would be interesting um, as a as a veteran backup point guard. He's also about the same salary and expiring, I believe. Um, so that would be that would be more like a, a a type of move where where James Jones did it last year, swapping Ryan Anderson's big contract with without a rotation spot for Tyler Johnson. Now a year later, maybe Tyler Johnson without a rotation spot for somebody who could be in the rotation about that uh that contract so that's that's kind of the kind of thing that um that james has done in season before so that kind of trade would not surprise me but 
then you you go back to that, and I think you're going to have to if if you're looking at that, you're going to have to gamble on a guy that's a question mark in in some way, right? Which leads me back to Kevin Love. If they're going to if well, they're no, going to gamble on swap, that, uh, big contracts for for guys who may or may not end up in the rotation. I think a I think a Tyler Johnson for Jeff Teague is a good swap. I, I, yeah, that could yeah, be, but Minnesota wouldn't do it. I mean, that's um, if you throw in like a second round pick, I mean, they're otherwise not going to get anything for Teague. Right. But they and don't Minnesota like literally does. They aren't starting a point guard right now. Like they really need a point guard. And and if they have any sort of playoffs hopes, it's not going to be. And believe me, they have they have playoff aspirations uh, because of town. So this is this is exactly what people should be thinking about. Right, Tim. They're not even starting Teague. That's how bad he's been, and he, they need a point guard. <laughs> right. And so it, it it's not going to be it's not going to be for Tyler Johnson. <laughs> you know, they aren't going to say, "Hold on, give us your give us a worse uh, uh, backup point guard," because we're really going to just blow this season, knowing that Carl Anthony Towns really wants to make the playoffs. Like that, well, unless the Suns throw in like a first round pick, I just I don't see. Yeah. Or a well, Mikael Bridges, and I don't think the Suns want to trade Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges is very yeah. valuable. Yeah. You, you yeah. want to get crazy? It would be funny if the Suns acquired Jeff Teague as their trade with Minnesota this year, that would only be if the, if Minnesota is punting and they right. may have sent K cat somewhere else, that would be disappointing. Uh, how about you want to get crazy if Portland continues their slide and one of those guards become available, do you get, do you get crazy? Do you consider Ooh. getting crazy and picking up one of those guys? Look, if we're going to play, if we're going to do what, what I, uh, I advise against and let friends, uh, use ESPN trade machine like uh, does something like that intrigue you do you go hey a Lillard like a McCullough I like how you just casually throw out one of those guys when one of them is Dame Lillard <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying at some point Portland's got to look at that and go all right we've we've got what we could get out in a Damian Lillard I don't know well, but the question is do you do you mess with the the chemistry of what's going on here and you yes. can get Damian Lillard if you can get him I think we're really yeah. talking about CJ McCollum right yeah well, probably but, yeah but Damian, I I highly doubt they're going to move Damian Lillard's Lillard not going anywhere the they just extended him is CJ McCollum uh, CJ McCollum is that dude where you're like, eh, do you really want to do that? Because he's making Booker money, you know, mm-hmm. and he's not going to be your starting point guard next to Booker. So he would be your guy off the bench and you don't want to pay your guy, your third guard, 25, 30 million dollars. And, and Suns could so- go crazy and start uh, Rubio, Booker and McCollum. Hey, let's uh Let's be honest oh. here. They're already paying their third guard $19 million right now. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to commit to that for the next several years. That's, that's fair. No, let's just uh, – so, all right, uh, you guys want to do uh, Espo's Dunky Award? We got a good one this week. We need we, we need something for this. I, I need to either make a real award that we can email these people or, or something. But <laughs> But this week – I, I struggled. There were two that were well deserving of it. Uh, the honorable mention was uh, Valley of the Suns. For did you see this tweet yesterday? They they see a clip of DeAndre Ayton practicing right from the Suns account, and somebody over there decides to tweet uh, about how looking at this makes me uh, makes me think this isn't a, in all uh, a very athletic all time athletic kind of guy. There's all sorts of concerns. It was literally like a 30 second clip of DeAndre Ayton running a drill. There was nothing to it. It's just asinine. But this week's donkey goes to and then to remind you, 
this is this award was named after the late great Nate Duncan, who has blocked every Suns fan because, uh, well, he's an ass. So, and these uh, this award honors tweets that make you go, "What the hell were they thinking?" This week it goes to Dana Scott over at AZ Central, who tweeted out a Dwayne Rankin piece that said, "Quote." Could Monty Williams eventually become the New York Knicks prodigal son, oh, returning to oh where he began God. his NBA career as a player? Phoenix Suns like beat Dwayne writer Dwayne Rankin analyzes this as well as other top storylines. Okay, I, I don't. This is no dis- disrespect to Dwayne because I actually understand the position he's in. He's being told generate clicks at all costs because that's what you're being judged on and how you're going to be paid new york fans yeah like so to me i don't blame Dwayne. i blame the system that Dwayne has to work within right not even i don't even blame i don't know uh dana scott i don't even uh, i don't even blame that person for the tweet i blame the system that they find themselves in the fact that journalists now writers like this are required to generate paid views at all costs that's what's trying to keep these uh, these publications afloat and in turn it sacrifices all quality and credibility because you've got to do anything to get people to click in a world that's full of just ridiculous noise we've seen it with si and their new ownership with maven where they fired pretty much anybody with credibility to basically click create a click farm right it's all about click bait right now and it's ridiculous you should not be basing this stuff on how many people click it should be all about who's consuming at a large rate for a long period of time it's about time on site and it's asinine that these guys are put and these and these women as well are put in this situation where all that matters is how many clicks can you generate because it creates a lot of crap it does not create interesting compelling storylines or unique opinions it creates crap entire sites of crap for that matter so for that dana scott and really more the management at az central you win the donkey award this week (laughs) i think that was a pretty good award greg thank you yes Uh, Uh, i obviously Dwayne rankin the last thing he's sitting up at night thinking about is whether monty williams should end up in the knicks in two or three or four years or five years after his contract is up that's the last thing Dwayne wants to worry about right now well, and it puts him in a crappy position because then, you know, Monty Williams sees that. I'm sure he does. And then it's just this awkward thing. It, it, it makes it it makes issues with uh, probably with Dwayne and, and the organization. Which is like, why are you bringing this up during during a run? And the answer is simple. He's got bosses that are pushing him in a direction that you never should be pushed. Yeah. Good one, Greg. All right. Well, that was uh, that was good. I liked it. That was good. Your your praise is is all I live for, Tim. So. <laughs> all right, especially well, uh, that especially that enthusiastic praise that you just provided there. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so we get eight back this week. The Suns have a really tough schedule. They're tied with a whole bunch of teams for eighth in the West. Uh, it should be pretty telling. 
hopefully we're going to be back this uh, this Wednesday. I guess it just kind of depends on whether or not the Suns are playing that night. And I don't they're not. That they they are. play Monday, Tuesday, so we can dissect what DeAndre Ayton does in his first game back against the Clippers on Wednesday. So, which, uh, by the way, I guess I'll point out to anybody that uh, for whatever reason it takes time out of their schedule to make sure that they can watch us on Wednesday nights. We have internally seemed to figure out on accident that if the Suns are playing that evening, we are not going to record an episode. Uh, so just an FYI, if the Suns are playing on a Wednesday, we will not be live during that game. Unless it's some weird East Coast game where we can go live right after it finishes. But we figure you're all watching the Suns and not watching three guys sitting in their homes talking about the Suns when they're playing. So Without even watching the game that's currently on. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> we we have a good feeling that that's the way that would net out. So uh, yeah. plus we want to watch the game, and sometimes Dave's right. actually at it. So De- depends yeah. on who they're playing. Sometimes I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. So, but this Wednesday they are not playing. Look. Oh, hold on. I I am Brody in the chat. Just said Espo is the Charlemagne of the solar panel. I'm not really up on my history. Does anybody get the Charlemagne reference? Uh, you're probably just a mass murderer. I mean, I think that's for sure. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm just, I'm just slaying people left and right. Is that what yeah. we're going for there? All right. Uh, yeah. uh, Charlemagne, Charlemagne, the God, uh, known, uh, that, that is an a, American radio I, presenter. Television I don't, I don't think that's what, I don't think that's where they were going. With it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I love, I am Brody went to Dennis Miller, Charlemagne, baby. You no, know, no, like, hold on, hold on. He's, he is a co-host of the nationally syndicated radio show, the breakfast club with dj and uh-huh. so you are i uh, haven't spent a lot of i know uh, of the show but i haven't spent a lot of time i'm pretty watching sure or listening i'm to sure it, so. i'm pretty sure he's talking about the historical i don't i don't know I, I don't know maybe maybe he's talking about the breast breakfast club uh charlemagne i don't whatever I, I didn't get the references i'm not cool is what i'm trying to let you all know and i don't think that comes uh comes off as a, a surprise By the way, to many people. Our trade season thing. I posted a, um, a poll just a few minutes ago and we've gotten 101 votes in 20 minutes um, of Yo Suns fans. What position is most in need of a, of a trade in the next two months? I had power forward, backup shooting guard and backup point guard. Which one do you think won? Don't look at Twitter. Backup point uh, guard. Backup point guard. Actually, what's winning is power forward with 47% of the vote. Dude, 192 wild. votes, actually. 192 votes. 47% of the vote goes to power forward. Man, people just don't appreciate Dario Saric. Uh, that that guy it, is killing it lately. It's that He's haircut. Job. Yeah, but okay. So stop looking at his face and his hair and all that <laughs> stuff. And the fact that he can't jump more than half an inch. He's Jared Dudley of power forwards. I get that. But... But, man, that guy has been balling out. He's averaging a double-double over the past couple of weeks. He's he's getting those rebounds that the Suns need so badly. Uh, he's playing positional defense. He's boxing out. He's doing everything he possibly can. And people just don't appreciate him. I'm disappointed in Suns fans oh, on Twitter oh, saying just, he's the one who has to get replaced. Did you just did call you? him the Jared Dudley of power forwards? Isn't Jared Dudley the Jared Dudley of power forwards? <laughs> Jared Dudley is masquerading as a power forward <laughs> in today's game. You know he's a wing. He just grew out of it. <laughs> but, by the way, Bro- Brody confirms that Tim is right. So mark it down. Tim's finally right on the show. Yeah, yeah I was right, I was right earlier when you guys tried to call me out on that uh, Greg Popovich. I uh, 
that was Dave. Whoa. I did not hop in on that. So. Well, actually, Tim, I did the research. It really was January 29th that he said that, and somebody was retweeting it yesterday as if it was current. It's so confusing, um, but that is the case. It was January 29th where he said Suns got robbed. So that's two straight seasons where the Suns got robbed in a Spurs game. I really feel that's Greg Popovich just trolling Suns fans. I don't think that's Greg Popovich really feeling like the Suns got robbed. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, uh, so, so, well, it was probably him and his burner account that retweeted last January's comments yesterday. <laughs> that's, but, that's why it's it's taking off. By, by the way, I'd like to let everybody know as we're talking trades, we did attempt to trade Dave to every other Suns podcast. Nobody, nobody bit. Nobody bit. So I he's the, here I for the long I'm run. Tyler Johnson of NBA podcasts. Yes. So. Uh, uh, we, that, we tried to trade to every other podcast except for uh, seven seconds or less. We didn't we didn't submit a trade <laughs> off of there. They would probably take me, too, because we, they we, appreciate talent. We just offered to give them. We offered to give them Dave with nothing in return, and still, yeah, that, no, that, was, that would have been a salary dump. Salary cap. That was the problem. So, like I said, I'm the Tyler Johnson. <laughs> awesome guys. Well, hey, we will be back on Wednesday, seven o'clock Arizona time. We will see you guys then. Enjoy DeAndre Ayton's return, everybody.